Welcome to the Farmers Trainers Podcast, Season 3, Episode 23, published on August 8th, 2022. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and today we'll be talking with Raymond Massenberg about executive protection. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. If you're a certified instructor, then you can apply for FTA coverage. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout just for listening to this podcast. This episode is brought to you by NAG Tactical. As instructors, our students are always asking us what gear we use. I always tell them I use NAG Tactical. Do you know that NAG Tactical offers several designs, each with extreme comfort for all-day carry? The Revenant and Professional holsters have a patented tuckable design, adjustable cant, and secure twist release. My personal favorite is the KO-1. It is an all-kydex appendix holster that I can carry all day in comfort. All of Innate's holsters come with a two-week try guarantee and a lifetime warranty even on the clip. Remember to check out their Flex Mag Carrier also. It has a three-layer comfort backer and will accommodate several sizes of the magazines. Shop at N8Tactical.com to find your next holster. That's the letter N, the number 8, Tactical.com. We bring this podcast, support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Ray Massenberg to talk about executive protection training. Welcome, Ray, and thanks for spending some time with us today. Well, thanks for having me, Rob. It's a pleasure. Great. Well, we love having you back on again, but in case uh, listeners hadn't caught you the first time, can you give uh, our listeners a little bit about what you do in executive protection? Sure. Um, well, uh, I have been a uh, instructor for for over a decade. Uh, I'm a USCCA instructor as well, uh, a USCCA training counselor. Um, I do an awful lot of training in regards to uh, medical training, certifying uh, medical instructors. Uh, last time I counted, actually, uh, when we had the event I was telling you about earlier over the weekend. Um, I teach about 56 classes, and that also includes church security, uh, church security management, and uh, risk assessment, and executive protection, which is kind of our, uh, our topic for today. Oh, that's neat. Um, just to start off us on a, on a good uh, footing, can you explain what executive protection is, you know, from how you do it? Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, you know, probably the easiest way to start out is, is to think of, you know, what people traditionally think of as a bodyguard. So the bodyguard uh, persona, or if you even look at the, uh, you know, look, think about the movie, The Bodyguard, mm-hmm. the bodyguard uh, is what we in um, executive protection would call the close protection agent. So that's the person that basically sticks with the client and makes sure nothing bad happens to them. Um, the, the bodyguard is, is primarily like the shield that protects the client from um, physical harm or, um, you know, harassment or anything like that. Um, but the bodyguard pretty much is a people move. So they move people out of the way, they keep people out of the way, and, and that's kind of the extent of, of that particular function. Executive protection, you know, we take it, um, you know, five or six levels higher than that. And executive protection uh, covers everything from 
uh, event concierge to travel route planning to entrance and exit planning, uh, vulnerability assessments. Uh, we're also involved in booking the hotels and arranging movement from one place to another during um, the client's travel. We also work with airlines and the airline concierge plans. We don't always take um, commercial airline flights. A lot of times we'll take private flights and a lot of times we'll specifically take private, private flights from uh, smaller airports adjacent to um, the major airport intentionally because it it, um, it makes our job easier in moving the client um, both from a time perspective and from a security perspective. So um, we do all of that. Um, pretty much anything that the, uh, the client's manager or the, man the uh, client's um, assistant is involved with we're involved in those meetings as well. So our, our job really, you know, in a nutshell, would be to make sure that the client's life is um, as simple as possible. Uh, we try and make sure that they don't necessarily know that we're there, or at least everybody on the team is there. Uh, we expedite um, their, their complete movement for especially if they're going to an event, we, we, we manage that whole event from, from beginning to end, from the time they leave their house until the time they're back. Yeah. Well, that's uh, very interesting because uh, that's got a lot more tentacles than um, normal uh, farm training, uh, self-defense training. So can you tell us with all those different uh, things you got to worry about, what are some of the differences in the and when you train somebody for executive protection versus uh, just normal uh, fire uh, firearm self defense? Well, um, probably the first thing that we do um, is you know we have to look at well if I'm looking at somebody to be on my team for example um, and, and I'm looking at a new hire that may not have or probably doesn't have any experience. Uh, I'm looking for personality and attitude um, because those are things that are difficult to train for. So uh, I would suggest that, you know, anybody who's looking to be an instructor or a trainer in executive protection, you know, they work really well with their students on uh, making sure that those students know how important those characteristics actually are. I can train somebody how to shoot. You know, I can train somebody in, you know, hand to hand. I can train them in, you know, using restraints and tasers and, and batons. And, and we do all of that. But, you know, the, the, the soft skill part is, is very important. And, and time wise, you know, we probably spend more time uh, on that in training and we spend more time on that, you know, with my own personal team um in in ongoing training on a daily basis so um to kind of circle back to um your question regarding uh, a firearms instructor um I, I prefer certainly my team in particular um they all have to be able uh, and qualified to carry a firearm so um at, at a bare minimum they have to be licensed you know we, we do background checks and things like that and then uh, we do regular 
uh, qualifications. So uh, everybody who has a firm that carries a firm or, or potentially could carry a firm, my team would do a quarterly uh, air marshal qualification. So for the instructor that wants to teach executive protection, I would I would definitely put that on my list of, of things to put into your curriculum is a firearm training program that has a goal of putting that student at that air marshal level of proficiency. So that would definitely be a checkbox for that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I definitely see where the air marshal uh, standpoint would definitely be uh, necessary, especially with uh, if they're in crowds or anything close to, close to that. If you really do have to take a shot, you're going to need to make sure you can make the shot without endangering other people at the same time. Yeah, and then you know we include a you know block of instruction on on uh, decision making and shooting. So we we do an awful lot of drills regarding uh, shoot no shoot targets, and you know what are the uh, factors that come into deciding do you take a shot, do you not take a shot, and you know we we you know next to the proficiency that would be the second thing regarding firearms that we spend the most time. We also spend uh, time in class um, going over things like uh, concealment and firearm selection. You know, uh, I, I don't have a particular list of firearms that you know is, is required or, or approved or anything like that. Uh, a lot of people bring their own and it, we kind of evaluate that on a case-by-case basis. And if I teach a class, I do the same thing. So, you know, just just like uh, no one pistol is perfect for every situation, uh, you know, we, we evaluate that person's um, arsenal and their proficiency with that arsenal. And we also discuss and we teach options. You know, these are other things that you may want to use or, you know, you may want to consider switching to this particular firearm for this particular detail. And if they're going to switch firearms, they have to qualify for that firearm as well. Mm-hmm. And it's also, you know, as you mentioned before, extremely important to have a good verbal judo so that, you know, you're not you know, the person that you're protecting doesn't come off as a, uh, as a jerk to the public. You know, if they're, you know, whether they're executive for a company or a politician or whoever, you're protecting uh there's a certain persona that they want to be able to project and that's one of those things that the security detail has has to be aware of also and how they do things i would imagine yeah and you know that's that's another one of those kind of differences between you know the bodyguard and the executive protection agent is that uh more and more um corporations and more and more celebrities are are going in the executive protection direction because you know they want to be more pc they want to be more low-key they they want to be able to interact with the public especially celebrities you know know, any uh any advertising that's good advertising so, so most mm-hmm. celebrities, they, they want to be out in the public eye and they want to interact with their fans and they want the press to, to have complete access with them. And at the same time, you know, they don't want 
you know, mean Joe Green standing next to him while they're doing an interview for you know, a nightly newscast or something like that. So I, that's not to say that we don't train or hire um, people that look like bodyguards, people that are, you know, are big and muscular and things like that. But honestly, the, the trend in the industry is to hire people that look like normal people. Um, because the ability to blend in is an asset. You know, you want to be able to fade into the crowd uh, if you can. And, and mm-hmm. I, I want as many people on my team that can do that. And and, and at the same time, yeah, we, we may have, you know, uh, somebody that looks like they, they, they just came from the WWE or something like that in the wings if we need that person. But um for the most part um our people are are, are just average looking people mm-hmm. yeah because if you can pick them out easily because they look like a wwe wrestler or they look like an operator you know with wraparound glasses and tattoos on their forearms um you know somebody who's somebody who's looking to do your your um uh your client harm will key in on those people and then you're you've got a bigger problem in your hand because they're going to come ready for to deal with those kind of people versus if they just think they can walk up to the person and you can separate them easily. It's interesting. And, and, and you know, they, they, you know, for the most part, uh, I can't think of too many people. There are, there are some, some clients out there that, that they just want, um, the threat stopped, whatever way, you know, it can be stopped as soon as possible. So, some of some of them may want you know the threat to be body slammed and and you know handcuffed and dragged away and everything like that but that's not the norm either um you know they they want for the situation to be de-escalated and and if at all possible they want it to be done in such a way where nobody knows what happened you know on, on one of my good days a good day is when nobody notices I'm there and notice nobody notices what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. There were no incident. There were no incidents because they were stopped beforehand, either through direct personal contact. You know, we deescalated the situation verbally or physically um, in such a way where it wasn't noticed, or through all of our advanced planning and all of our preparation we prevented those threats from happening beforehand. Mm-hmm. Think about it. If you were bringing up talking about, you know, having somebody body slammed or having somebody, you know, pushed out of the way, those, those types of things, or if you've got to defend yourself, do you, are there special laws that cover your use of force in those kind of situations? Because obviously in, in some of those, you may, you may be the you may be the uh, the aggressor because they've gotten too close to the to your uh, whoever you're protecting. So you're making distance. You're making uh, making that person safe. But how how does that work? Do you do you know? Well, uh, in class, um, I, I do an extensive legal presentation, and it's it's very similar to a legal presentation that I would do in like a. Uh, concealed carry class and and i want to make sure that people understand you know number one uh if you're on duty and carrying a firearm you have to be crystal clear on 
the legal use of deadly force when it can be used and when it can't be used. Um, you have to be crystal clear on the use of less than deadly force when it can be used and when it cannot be used. And that's going to vary a little bit state by state, although, you know, it's very similar um, throughout the 50 states. I've, I've done the Andrew Branca class and I've done the Andrew Branca instructor class. And, and, mm-hmm. It's absolutely um, invaluable information. And mm-hmm. I actually um, have handouts and I have uh, electronic copies of some of its information that I send to my team that they keep on their phones and, you know, periodically at any point in time, they may be on a detail and I may be, uh, ask them, okay, uh, give me the five elements of self-defense now. Mm-hmm. Or um, we'll talk about, okay, we're in Ohio. So uh, tell me what prohibited places are for carrying firearms. So, you know, we'll, we'll quiz them on that. And they have been trained on that in class previously. So, in, in doing that class, and I'm kind of bouncing back and forth a little bit on what I do for my particular team versus what I would do in a, in a training class, but it's it's similar. Um, you know, the, the training that I do for my team is, is primarily just um, ongoing training, but it's based on their initial training as well, which is, which is what I would do in, in a regular uh, EP class. When, when you go along and you're uh, on assignment, do you coordinate with local law enforcement or is this... Um, you know, d- done in, uh, outside of law enforcement, knowing who's who's on the security detail and such. Um, for for me personally, it, it kind of depends. Uh, um, if we're traveling, and especially if we're traveling traveling with more than one celebrity, and we're going to be in a motorcade, we will usually involve uh, local law enforcement and local law enforcement. My experience has been very receptive and helpful. And a lot of times what they will do is they'll actually provide escort. So, uh, you know, when we're leaving the hotel or when we're leaving the airport or we're going to the or something like that, they will uh, they'll provide that escort. They'll act as blockers for uh, cross traffic where somewhere to like a funeral or something. Mm-hmm. And then our team would actually, you know, take charge for the motorcade and they would escort us there and escort us back to wherever we're going to go. So un- under those circumstances, absolutely we would. Uh, and if it's, a, if it's a big venue in a local area and they're, they're going to have police protection there, then I'll, I'll make sure I contact uh, that local police department and at least let them know when and when we're going there. Mm-hmm. And you know, asking if you know, is there anything you you want to tell me, or is there any specific rules that you have that you want us to follow? Because I need to know that uh, I'll let them know. You know, give them a, an overview of what my plans are, just so they're. And as far as being at the venue, um, we, we probably won't have a lot of interaction. Let's say if it's a concert or if it's. Uh, a play or, or an award ceremony or something like that, I will absolutely uh, be on the same page with the venue secure. So weeks and weeks ahead of time, I'll make sure that I get in touch with them. 
I contact whoever the head of security is at that facility and we'll arrange a meeting, usually a Zoom meeting um, up front, and um, I'll give them what my security plan is and then they'll give me their particular protocol that they follow for every event. And then we'll work out how we interact our EP personnel with their local personnel. We will definitely work hand in hand on that. And, you know, from, from an outside perspective, you might think that that would be difficult, but it's surprisingly easy because we make it very clear up front that in order for the client to be there, his security has to be. And that's a condition of him being So um, they're very cooperative. They, they pretty much give us everything we ask for. Um, and we may have to bend our rules a little bit to uh, comply with their local rules. But for the most part, you know, they're responsible for the facility and for the guests. And we're responsible for our client. That's that's neat. Work, working together as professionals and everybody does their part to make everybody safe. That's a good way. Let me ask you this question. Sure. Um as you go along, you're talking about going different places and doing things, but is there a certification or licensing that's required for, for somebody who does addictive protection? Well, um, I'm out of Michigan. So in Michigan for executive protection in particular, there is no licensing requirement. Uh, there is no training requirement. Uh, I do know that that in some states, I, I think Texas is, is one of them in particular that can go off the top of my head, and they have uh, several different levels of licensing for executive protection, bodyguard, and, and security guards. Um, the only thing we have in Michigan that's close to that would be we do have licensing for security guards, but that license is held by the company. That's not that's not held by the individual security. So, to my knowledge, um, a, a person that's in a particular location that's looking for a job, or if they're looking to um, you know add on to the EP team in, in their location, I I think that for the most part that, that there's no licensing or there's minimal licensing. Okay. That's, that's interesting. I'm I mean, essentially, you know, Michigan treats it as if, you know, you're just an employee of that client, that, mm-hmm. that you're, you're an employee that, that happens to be providing protection, but, but we're also providing more than protection. And, and, you know, from a legal standpoint and, and kind of from my perspective, um, you know, that protection function, that protective function is one aspect of the service that we provide for that client. So, you know, this kind of goes back, you know, we're talking about the legal uh, issues before. Um, I, I have no particular special power uh, in regards to using force than I would as a private citizen who happens to be a tourist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my responses and my reactions um, are, are going to be those of, of that private citizen. But, um, you know, pretty much every state also allows you to use force in order to protect a third party. 
Yep. So well, that that would be our our function would be to protect that third party. Yeah, in alignment with Andrew Bronco's law of self defense and the five points uh, needed. Um, that would you know that works in all fifty states. That's good. Yeah. How do you go along? Um, I know we were talking about you know executive protection training and training people on those executive protection uh, details. But if you were a firearm instructor, wanted to start training them, how do you? advertise or get connected with uh the executive protection community and um you know let them know what services uh as a firearm trainer you can offer them well i think that um the first thing that i would do if i was starting out uh, and, and i was interested in, in that particular type of training i would probably um you know get some experience doing some ep work myself and um i say that because because that gives you a real good um, inside view of what it's all about and it gives you a good idea of, of what uh, topics to cover and, and how to build your um, your class based on the experiences that you have and if i could kind of share with you how i kind of got into it for a couple minutes i think you'll see my point okay. um, i actually started out um, as far as security was concerned, I mean, I, I never uh, envisioned and I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing today when I did start out. I, I started out with a part-time security job when I was in college, and I was unarmed security standing at a post, and uh, the company I worked for was uh, Century Protection here in Michigan, and um, they just happened to have a whole bunch of different divisions. So they had a unarmed security division, they had an armed security division, they had an investigative division, which also included like um, uh, private detectives. Um, they had a motorcycle division and they had an executive protection division. So um, I, I knew right off the bat, I didn't particularly like being a security guard, especially with no weapons at all. Mm. Um, and so I, I kind of nosed around and I had a, you know, a good track record on my job. So they moved me over to the motorcycle division. And I spent some time uh, on that because, I, you know, my, my main qualification there was I, ha I had security experience with the company and they found out I had a motorcycle license. So I, I did that for a while. And then, you know, I started inquiring more and more. And I said, you know, well, what's this whole, you know, um, plain clothes thing about what, what are those guys do? And they said, oh, well, you know, we, we take contracts to do um, loss, loss prevention and we take contracts to do security in stores, like department stores and things like that, where we're undercover. And we have this thing where we have a bodyguard service. Bodyguard service. So, okay, that sounds pretty cool. What's, what's that all about? So they put me through a training program, and, and that was kind of my first uh, bodyguard experience. So uh, I, I think that. Um, any instructor, any firearms instructor, if they have no experience whatsoever in executive protection, that they can fairly quickly uh, fast track in a company like that to an executive protection position where they will give you some training on on how to get into the field. And then once you have some experience, you know, let's just say you know, roughly a year or so. You'll, you'll be in a much better position to actually teach that information in, in your own uh, training classes. Interesting. 
Now, is a law enforcement background, is that helpful or is that not not needed to get into executive protection? Well, you know, as a general rule, um, to get into executive protection, uh, law enforcement background or military background is a big plus. It's a huge plus. Um, a lot of companies, they won't even consider without a law enforcement background or a military background, particularly if you have a military background with uh, combat experience. And one of the reasons is, is because those people already are disciplined and they, off, they understand the importance of following orders and following instructions. And, um, you know, they tend to be very reliable. And they, you know, they're, they're already kind of broken in to a lot of the skills that you, um, you're going to need in that field. So that's definitely a big plus. It's not required in most cases, but um, definitely, you know, the bigger companies are, are going to look very favorably on, uh, on the background of law enforcement or, um, or the military. The only thing that I would say um, is if you have a background in law enforcement or military, um, it can be a, a slightly uh, negative thing as well, because those people tend to be trained to kind of run to the fight. And, you know, in, in our field, um, our, our job is to not run to the fight. We, we want to run away from the fight. You want, you want to, you want to protect your, uh, your client. Absolutely. The, the client is your job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't get paid to, you know, to go toe to toe with people um, while the client's standing there um, naked. You know, our job is to remove the client immediately. And, and all those other people that are fighting and shooting and, and doing all that other stuff, their support staff that allows us to get that client out of the area as quickly as possible. So the, the military folks and law enforcement folks are going to require a little bit of, um, of retraining and a little bit of training and mindset so that they understand, you know, what the priorities are. Yep. That's, uh, that's definitely one of those that, uh, you don't always think about, you know, you think about, okay, we're going to, you know, they're going to come after you. You're going to fight it or do things like that. But when you put it into perspective that your job is, you know, the, the, your client to survive, that puts things in very good frame of mind. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, it's not just a physical fight, you know, but, um, that's what probably comes to mind when most people think about this particular field, but we're not, we're not protecting the client solely against, uh, physical aggression. We're also protecting them, um, against, um, attacks on social media. We're protecting them from, you know, having eggs thrown at them when they're on the red carpet. We're protecting them from um, financial issues that may come up. This all comes under the heading of what the executive protection team is doing. We have people that specialize in things like um, counterintelligence. We have people that do um, intelligence work on clients. We, we actually, you know, comb through social media 
looking for any kind of mention of the client's name or, or what they've been doing or any kind of personal information that's out that's been leaked out there. And that's part of our job as well. We sign up to be the total protector for that client. And, you know, I like to tell people when they come on board, you know, we're, we're our job is to protect that client 100%. And we're also protecting them against embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Which, so, which can be, you know, very bad too. You know, something, so, you know, something goes wrong or, or, you know, it's in a public uh, eye, then all of a sudden that, that, uh, celebrity is, uh, embarrassed and seen that more than once in Hollywood. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to, uh, to overcome you know, once it happens, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, of embarrassing things that can happen. There's all kinds of, of financial breaches that can happen. There's, you know, there's also, of course, you know, the physical uh, threat that can happen. Any one of those things can can cost millions of dollars, or it can cost somebody their life. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're definitely uh, playing in a different uh, league when you are uh, when you're doing executive protection versus uh, just protecting your. Uh, your family and yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing that we, we train people on is, is in regards to mindset is that, um, you know, you have to kind of, uh, put your, your personal well-being aside. Your, your job is, is the client. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Whether that's whether that's just intervening, you know, we have paparazzi that are coming around, and you're just, you know, um, acting as a screen between the client and the paparazzi, or if it's, um, you know, the groupies or the fans that are just being a little too aggressive. You know, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that they are uh, removed as quickly and quietly as possible. Mm-hmm. All the way up to non-legitimate force we're doing. The agent's job is, is, is to be their shield. Are you required or you get to uh, wear like a bulletproof vest? I do. Okay. <laughs> Soft body armor, things along those lines? I do. I do. And, and uh, I, um, I, I don't see any downside to it, you know, aside from the heat. And, um, you know, the comfort issues, uh, we're, we're dealing in a situation where, um, you know, bullets may be incoming and where, uh, you know, knives and, and sharp objects and slashes may be incoming. Um, you know, I, I, I particularly like, um, there's a lot of clothing out there now that, you know, you can get bulletproof clothing, you can get, um, suits that are specifically made for, executive protection work um, and you can buy suits for executive protection work that have cut resistant sleeves that are already built into the suit so you know that's a big plus if you're if that's the um, the style of dress that you're doing for a particular detail interesting and yeah, very so, interesting some some, de- some details may be a hoodie you know, mm-hmm. and they uh they do have bulletproof hoodies as well yep and uh as you said, it all depends on what the, uh, detail is, whether you're in a three piece suit that you can, uh, 
you know, have bulletproof or whether you've got to be in a uh, hoodie or, um, you know, potentially, you know, I guess you could have it in, in uh, jogging gear, you know. You could. You got, I've done, I've, jog, I've jogged alongside a client. I, I'm not a jogger and I hate jogging, but it is what it is. So if he jogs, I jog. If he, if he stops, I stop. You know, if mm-hmm. he wants ice cream, then we stop for ice cream. Yep. Some of the president in a lot of ways, too. You see the very president. Similar. Very, very similar. <laughs> With um, it, you, know. you know, every time I see the you know the president on TV, regardless of who the president is, uh, you know, I'm not looking at the president. I'm looking at his detail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, every time I see them, I'm like, man, I feel you, dude. <laughs> yeah. Every, every time I uh, go along see or, or hear the president is coming to uh, Cincinnati. I cringe because of uh, how the secret service takes over all the uh, interstates to have multiple safe paths for them to get to and from the venues. And it's like, yeah, this is going to be, this is really going to be bad tonight trying to get home. So one of the reasons I like working from home now, and don't worry about the president coming to town as much as when, when I was working downtown Cincinnati. Yeah. So. yeah. Very good. And that's you know that's kind of interesting because that's that's also a skill that, that every agent is going to need to be well versed in is what we call the advanced. And, and typically, we're going to have a, a part of our team, a, a subset of our team, is going to be the advanced team. I, I do all my own advances, but essentially, what the advanced team does is we go to let's just say hypothetically that um, we're going to be LA Coliseum or something. Mm-hmm. And so we'll get on a plane, we'll fly out there, we'll, um, we will first probably stop at the hotel we plan on staying at. And we're going to uh, talk to the general manager of the hotel. Now we set this up ahead of time before we mm-hmm. actually did that. We you know, set up a meeting with them, we let them know what day we're coming in. We're going to find out what their security is in the hotel. We're going to find Find out where the cameras are. We're gonna find out. You know, I, I want to see the room, um, and I have to have a room next to the, the client's room. Mm-hmm. And um, we're gonna want to know, you know, all the entrances. So uh, we're gonna have generally they're gonna have like underground entrances. They're gonna have um, you know shipping and receiving entrances. So we'll we'll take pictures of all that stuff. Um, I'll draw diagrams on a tablet. Um, and I'll, I'll take all that information for a report later on. We'll, we'll try several routes from the hotel to the Coliseum. Uh, we'll try and get a feel for, you know, what's the traffic like um, based on the day and time we're going to go, which route are we going to take, and then we'll figure out alternate routes as well. And then we'll go and we'll talk to the security at the Coliseum, and again, we set that up ahead of time, and we'll do the same thing. We'll figure out where the security is, where the interests are, where the cameras are, and we'll give them kind of a thumbnail of what our plan is going to be. And then we'll also look at um, where's the nearest level one trauma center. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We need to know that. If we have alternate routes, we need to know where the trauma centers are, are on all those alternate routes. We're also going to probably set up at least one safe house for, you know, if we have a a dire emergency to go to a safe house, then we're going to pick what that location is going to be. And, you know, we can kind of cheat on that a little bit because um, we, we can 
we will sometimes uh, designate uh, a local police precinct as a safe house. So, you know, in the event of emergency, everybody had to you know, 123 West Street, which is precinct five. Talked about, we asked about engaging the, the local police. If that is the case, then we'll notify the so it's coming and if we have an emergency uh, and we need you, we're going to come to you. So all that kind of, all that information gets, gets rolled into a report. I provide that report to the client or the client's manager or the client's assistant. And then I'll have a meeting with the team and then we'll go over that information. So uh, my point is that everybody on the team needs to understand how to do it so that mm -hmm. skill and that training is something that everybody's going to go through so um, we're going to rotate team members from whatever position they are if they're a driver or if they're a trail or if they're close protection or whatever we're going to rotate them out of that role and rotate them into the advanced role so that they have a real clear understanding of their job and so if I were doing the training program, that would also be one of those, you know, items that would be thoroughly covered. In the training. Very interesting, right? It's uh, something I hadn't really considered in the past, but um, thinking about, you know, see, seeing what might might be available, um, or at least offer some of the training that I've got that would be apply for it would be very good. So definitely appreciate you uh, enlightening us uh, today on. A little bit more about executive protection training. It's been very interesting. Well, thank you. It's, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I, I love your podcast. I'm, I'm oh. glad I, I found them out there. And uh, as I'm driving, whether I'm other kinds of stuff or going to or from a, a gun class, I, I tune in. I try to catch up on every single day. Well, I, I appreciate you. Your loyal listener is uh, always great when they suggest uh, new topics because I'm sure. Uh, just like I was interested in executive protection. I think there's probably a lot of other people that are also interested in finding a little bit more about it. So definitely appreciate your time. Well, Hey Ray, can you tell us, uh, or about a mentor that's helped you get to where you are in life today? Sure. Um, I have two of them in particular that, that come to mind, uh, in no particular, way. uh, one of them will be Rick Hector. Who's been on your podcast? Yep, Rick's been once. on before. Mm -hmm. so I, I spent time with Rick this weekend at, at his uh, annual Vegas shooting event. But um, I, I have learned an awful lot from him. I continue to learn an awful lot about a lot, awful lot from him. Uh, he, he's he's got more integrity than most people, have. and he's very dedicated to making sure that he's providing accurate timely up-to-date information and uh, you know he's he's kind of instilled that in me as well i think the other person yeah. that that i would have to add to that list would be uh, a gentleman named ross Coleman. ross is pretty much my best friend ross uh, was my training counselor when i was in oh. through uh, nra training and Ross, uh, the first thing that impressed me when I, when I sat through his instructor training class was that, you know, as far as he was concerned, the rules are the rules and the rules are always taught. So if this is in the lesson plan, this is what it's taught. If 
this is what's written down, this is what you have to say. And he's never wavered. I've seen some people, you know, they're running short on time, you know, they're trying to cut a class short, they'll, they'll skip stuff. He never does. He never does. And, and the quality of every class that he does is the same. Well, there's a reason why they want you to teach it. So that's good to hear <laughs> Russ uh, was going going through that. Yeah. So th- those would be my two. Good. Well, if somebody wants to hear more about Rick Ector, um, he's in season one, episode 63. And we were, t- we were talking about um, teaching and thriving in uh, Detroit. It was definitely a very good podcast. Jeez. Uh, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a few years to say the least, um, for them. Cause that was uh 2020, but, um, episode 63 season one there, check it out. And you can hear what Rick Hector, at least back in 2020 was doing, uh, in Detroit teaching. Now, Ray, where can people find more information about you and maybe some of the classes that you're teaching? Um, <laughs> right now my, uh, my website is down, unfortunately. Um, but uh, probably the easiest way to get in touch with me would be email. Okay. So my email address is, uh, is pretty much the name of my company. My company is Armored Protection and Training, LLC. So A-R-M-O-R-E-D, P-R-O-T-E-C-T-I-O-N, and training. And my email address is Armored Protection Training at gmail.com so that would be a r m o r e d p r o t e c t i o n t r a i n i n g and i will make sure that that's in the show notes also i i, I assumed you would yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I my since we had the uh, the shooting event this weekend with rick um i passed out I brought 500 uh, business cards with me because we were we were, uh, we were planning on anywhere from 2,000 to 4,000 women, and I interviewed um, every woman as they're they're leaving the event, and I, I encouraged them to make sure you don't leave without getting some instructors' information, and we had some of our instructors were from out of town, so mm-hmm. if their instructor was from out of town, I would just give them my business card. So I passed out about 300 business cards. So my phone has been ringing all day. Email definitely works better. Yep. Well, that was a free training event that Rick did for the uh, public. And then yes. at the same time, uh, all the instructors that went up and donate their time were able to go along and impress upon the public that did come why maybe they want to go to their classes. And that's, yeah. uh, I would call that a real win-win because Rick just didn't go along and say, Hey, come to my class. He went along and Hey, these are good, good instructors. I trust cause they're here today and, uh, you know, allow you to get some business there too. Cause as I've said before, there's plenty of business out there for all of us. I mean, when they're, uh, you know, in the last two years, there's been over 10 million new gun owners. I think when you look at the number of instructors, there's plenty to go around. We just have to get our na- names out there and let people know what, what's available for them and how it works into their plans. Yeah, and it was surprising how many of the ladies that attended, you know, you, to, you do that, you know, post-event interview or and they'll say, wow, you know, um, Frank was really so helpful. I was, you know, I was nervous when I came in. I don't like guns. I don't like touching guns, but I think I want to buy one. And I'm like, you know what? Here's Frank's business card. Why don't you call him? 
mm-hmm. and, and set something up. Uh, make sure that you get training and make sure that you have practice because training without practice is no good. Practice without training is no good. And, you know, he can do everything from uh, and so care class to um, private instruction. Let him be your guide and your coach. That sounds great. Really great. Well, Ray, um, again, we really appreciate your uh, time tonight. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on the podcast again in the near future. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, keep up the good work. Well, thank you. And thanks for sharing. All right. Super. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah. That's a wrap for this episode. And I hope you found it interesting. And I hope you can also go along, share it with your friends. Some people that might want to know a little bit about executive uh, training or executive protection. Do you have a suggestion for an episode or someone you think I should interview on the podcast? Email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. You can also leave me messages, suggestions on our Facebook page, or go to our website at firearmtrainerpodcast.com. Remember, our website is also a great resource for searching our previous episodes on additional topics, such as training, such as firearms, and updates on mental health. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association, FTAProtect.com, and check out their instructor insurance. Being a certified instructor was your first step in establishing your, your business. The next step should be getting FTA coverage. Remember to use FTP code at checkout to get 10% off. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.